Hi there, it's Lori with the Goodbye Good Girl Project, causing all kinds of trouble. Uh, and that is why you love me. So listen, the trouble that I've been causing lately is that I got off of these stinking meds. I'd been on them for 32 years. Now, as I'm talking to you, uh, I can tell you I still feel kind of shocked that this is happening because of the way it happened. And I want to share with you the journey because what's really important is not in the end result, whether or not you get off of an antidepressant. There are different things to discuss here. So I want to tell you the story first, then I'm going to tell you what the point is, and then I'm going to make some suggestions because we've got some stuff to do, y'all. we got some stuff to do to make sure that in this area of our personal, physical, emotional, mental health, that we are our biggest advocates and that we are willing to take leaps of faith, but only when it's right for us individually. We must use our discernment. We must think. We must share. We must discuss. There's lots of things that are really best practices, if you will. If we want to start breaking out of a mold of a drug that just keeps us numb in a really weird way. So here's the deal, y'all. I became extremely depressed, and in 1991, I was put on something called Zevloft because I was like major league depressed and having suicidal ideation, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. So um, I went to, I was in the middle of all kinds of crap in my life too. My father was beginning his downward spiral to death, and it was, it took a long time, but it was the start. And I just was not in good shape. So they put me on Zoloft. Wonderful woman who was my therapist. I really loved her to death. Still do. Um, she put me on Zoloft and that sort of stabilized me so I could, you know, I could survive. I could, I could just be sort of in the world and not uh, want to kill myself, frankly. And uh, it became a mission of mine. If people were talking about antidepressants and things like that. And talking about them as though they make you high, it became my pleasure, really, my sort of guilty pleasure that I would be like, well, you know, I'm on them. <laughs> I'm on them. And uh, and they would look at me like, huh, scared. What do you mean? And I'd say, they don't make you high. And they go, really? really? I'd say, yeah, they don't. They go, well, then what do you feel? And I'm like, it just makes it so unbalanced and stable. And I can do my life. And they go, oh, huh. And I felt like I'd done something amazing. I had done something so amazing by demystifying this idea that somehow if you are on some kind of psychological drug, you must be a complete fucking lunatic. When the fact is, I'm a complete fucking lunatic in so many ways that have nothing to do with drugs. It's just who I am. Uh, and I... So I just, that became my thing was to sort of bust the bubble of like, Ooh, let's be scared of the boogeyman mental illness, you know? And, uh, I still love to do that because I don't like anybody being trapped by an assumption when they could actually be freed by truth. It just seems like a much better deal to me. Now, 10 years later, I went to California and moved to California. And the fact was I'd still been really struggling with anxiety and with depression, even though I was on this, this Zoloft. 
so, and especially the anxiety was kicking my ass because when I got to California, I was without any friends and I was freaked out and it was probably one of the worst decisions I ever made. Not the worst, but one of the worst. And the reason for that is that it just put me in such a vulnerable position emotionally. And I went to a doctor who said to me, hey, there's this drug, it's called Effexor. And it has both the um, antidepressant and the anti-anxiety. Why don't we give it a shot? And I went, sign me up. So they signed me up and I got onto it. And sure enough, the, uh, the anxiety seemed to subside. Didn't stop me from feeling anxious in my life. Over time, I realized that. Didn't really stop it. It just sort of calmed things down. It didn't stop me from feeling depressed, but it kept me from being suicidal. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good trade. I'll, I'll go for that. That's nice. And I, I was on it and on it and on it and on it and on it. But I was always scared. I was so scared when I was out there because if you think about it, the Bay Area, they're always talking about earthquakes. And we're all, we were always having earthquakes. Now, they're not all major ones, but you can't walk 10 feet before you fall over somebody who goes, yeah, well, wait until the big one hits. Nice, nice. I mean, like, that's not enough all in and of itself to be afraid of. But instead, the thing that made it worse for me was I thought, what happens if I run out of meds right when there's the big one and I can't get to new meds because the whole of the Bay Area is fucked up and nobody can get in here to bring in meds? And I thought, then I'm going to be in the kind of trouble I cannot get out of. That kind of trouble is the thing that happens when you try to stop cold turkey. When you try to stop cold turkey from one of these crazy meds, you instantly start to get what I call squirrely. You feel like your energy is going here, 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 here. It's, you feel manic. You feel panicked. You feel something called brain zaps, which is hard to explain, but it's like, it's like inside your, your head when you, let's say you're sitting at a table and you just move your eyes to look to the right or to the left. You don't move your head, just your eyes. And even that you'll hear this whoosh inside your head. And it feels as though the vision arrives just a split second after your eyes actually moved. It is a very, very weird, disconcerting, and upsetting sort of thing. And it's actually called brain zaps. You can look it up. Google will tell you all about it. It's, so it's, it's very unpleasant. I actually tried to go off of these meds twice, cold turkey. I sure did. In my 30s, I decided I've had enough of this, and I am just not taking this stuff anymore. And so I tried it once, and I think I got maybe a day and a half into it, and I started to get really painfully emotional. I love emotion, but this was the kind of emotion where you feel like anything and everything just affects you so deeply and you just cry all the time and you're depressed and you start to get to the point where you're suicidal. And that's where I was getting to. And then I would call my therapist and I'd go, I feel terrible. You got to help me. And she would say, Lori, did you stop taking your medication? <laughs> 
And when I would admit to it, she would say, well, you might want to try getting back on it. And so I would, and then I would feel stable again. Being very careful about work choice, as I usually am anyway, it made me feel stable. It did not make me feel normal. We're going to put that little word on the shelf. But I felt stable, and stable was good. Stable beats the hell out of, I would like to die now. So I tried this nonsense one more time, thinking maybe I feel stronger now, maybe I'm stronger than it, and I'm going to do it again. So I tried, and same result. Just couldn't get off of that stuff. It just, oh my God, it's just horrific. So I decided that must not be the best way. Why don't I try to be a good girl? Why don't I try to be uh, an adult about this and try it with a, with a doctor's supervision? So I did. And long story short, no, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. These things are horrific. What they do is they wind themselves around your brainstem and they make it impossible for you to be happy. They make you dependent on them so that if you try to go off of it, it, it just it fucks you up bad, real bad. I know a woman who tried it for six months, tried for, to get off of it for six months and said she was a misery to her husband, a misery to herself, a misery to her family, a misery to her, to her own life. She was not a happy kid. She was suicidal ideation, um, just all kinds of stuff. And she was losing her mind. And so she's at the, she gave it up. She finally said, fine, I, I give up. I'm going to have to be on this the rest of my life. And that's what that drug does. It's horrible. It's what it does. And guess who wins? Not you, baby. No, it's the drug companies. They get to win your money. So there you go. Now, the doctors that I'd been with were like, okay, so you're on 150 milligrams. If we bring you down um, in very, very slow stages to 75, um, we can probably do that. We could probably do that. So we'll do two days, 150 milligrams, and then 75 milligrams for one day, and then two days of 150 milligrams. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. The first time I tried it, it only took like 14 hours of not taking it, and I was like, I would like to be dead now. This is not my normal mode of being, you understand. It just, at a point in my life when I could not deal with the emotional influx and I didn't, I didn't have a way. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have a lot of things that I needed to really work through it. Instead, I was given these meds and sure enough, they kept me alive and they kept me numb. I would never have said that. It's not like you feel nothing at all, but there is energy that is held back there is freedom of thought that is held back. For some people, there is um, sexual urges that are held back. There's all kinds of stuff that this terrible, horrible drug does. Now, Effexor, the, um, the generic form is venlafaxine. And the last time I tried to get off these sons of bitches, I, it was last year, it was late last year, and I went to my doctor and I said to her, I really need to get off this stuff. I just, 
I don't like being enslaved to a drug. That's just not really, that's not my jam. She said, well, have you tried this? Have you tried this? I'm like, yes, I've tried that and this. She said, oh, well, they've come out with something new. And I'm thinking, woohoo, something new. Good. She goes, yeah, they've come out with desvenlafaxine. I'm like, what the, what is desvenlafaxine? Excuse me. She says, well, it's a little less powerful than the venlafaxine. And so people will take it and mix it with a taking of ven a venlafaxine and then taking some desvenlafaxine and then taking venlafaxine and then taking desvenlafaxine until they can finally wean off of it. I said, well, that sounds very cute. I've tried weaning before. It hasn't worked very well, but maybe if this is in the same family, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll work. Oh my God. I was so naive. So I tried it and it really took just one day. I, I took the desvenlafaxine one morning and by about one or two in the afternoon, I was squirrely. I was getting brain zaps. I was crying. I was angry. I was depressed. It was not pretty. And I went back to the doctor and I said, no, I'm not doing this. No, 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 no. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she really was. She's lovely. I love my doctor. But she had no answer. She had no damn answers. Nobody has any damn answers. So now I've been into alternative kinds of healings for a very long time. But on some level, I've really been just dabbling. Because it takes a lot to break the good girl rules of I'm a traditional American you know, obedient user of doctors and medications. It takes a lot to come out of that and start making choices as to when you want to do that, if you want to do that, how often you want to do that. It really, it takes a lot to do that, to do it. And I, I was introduced to um, a man who is a remarkable energy healer. I was introduced through the online non-denominational church that I'm a part of. And I was told you have to meet this guy because he really helped this guy get all, get out of heart murmurs. Like his heart murmurs aren't even happening anymore. He feels fabulous. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, it was done in one session. I'm like, stop. Really? Yes. One session. <laughs> wow. That's badass. Anybody else? Yes, this other woman over here, he helped, he healed her back that she's had chronic pain with for 20 years. I'm sorry, he did what? Yes, he healed her back. Okay, I'm sitting here, I'm going, all right, I know about all of these different kinds of techniques that we have, but I've never heard of something quite like this. So I decide I'm going to get in touch with this guy. I'm going to see if he can help me. I want to know if he can help me with my panic setting. I have a panic setting that was laid on me from birth, probably before birth, but I actually had an experience of my birth in which I came to understand that my tendency to push, 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 and be unwilling to really take my time with things is because my mother was out cold on morphine when she was giving birth. She was not pushing. I was having to push myself out and I couldn't because I was a little baby with no muscles. <laughs> I actually went through the experience. It was called um, rebirthing back in the day. 
And even though I had that experience, it actually wasn't what I was going for in that moment. So I sort of fell into this. And later on, it became clear to me that this is what was going on. This is what's been going on my whole life is me pushing, 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 not feeling a sense of trust in the world and in the people in it to support me. And I went and called this guy. No, I sent him an email and I said, hey, I've had a panic response since I was born. How do you work with that stuff? And he said, "How w would you like to get together on Zoom in like five hours? And I said, heck yeah. So I met with him and sure enough, after one hour, it's not that he stopped me from being me. It's not that he said, hey, presto, you'll never be panicked again. That would be like taking your humanity away. That's not what happened. What happened though was he took that part of my amygdala, the fight or flight thing, and he sort of built a little bit of a of a shed around it. And it's what he did was say, here's the deal. You're still going to feel stuff, but you're not going to be completely swept away like in a tsunami way, which is all I've ever experienced with it. He said, that's not going to be your situation anymore. Congratulations. You now have some boundaries in there. You now have some safeguards. Things are going to be okay now. And I went hot diggity. And then I also thought, hmm, I wonder if that's true. Well, it's true. That was about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And the proof I have that something happened is when I used to get hijacked by panic, there was nothing anybody could say. There was nothing anything in my head could say that would make me feel like I could pull myself out of it. I couldn't hear that voice that adult, mature, stable, practical voice that goes, you realize this isn't an overblown emotion and that you're not actually going to live this way the rest of your days, right? You do know that, right? Well, I couldn't hear that voice. Now I can hear that voice. I can hear that and I can go, oh my God, you're right. And I can breathe slower and slow down my rhythms and get a little calmer. And it's, this is amazing shit. This is amazing. Okay. So at this point, I still don't know what kind of healer this guy is, but everything in his healing room, which he's shown me through the zoom screen is natural. He's got these two giant gizmos. I don't even know what to call them on either side of the room, sort of affixed to the walls that bring in uh, a lot of energy to the room. And when he showed me those, I said, my God, I said, that is some powerful energy you're slinging here. And he went, oh, you're sensitive. I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So what happened was that that was pretty impressive, him helping to reduce my panic mode. Unbelievable. Because that shit has hijacked my life. It has hijacked me for 30 some years. It really, or longer, longer, much longer, honestly. So what does that mean? It means that I've spent more time trying to stabilize my life than to fucking live my life. And that means the things I wanted to do are always and forever postponed or they get done, but they don't get done to the best of my ability because somewhere in there, I fall into a panic and I have to stop everything 
and I have to not repair, but maintain. I object to waste of any kind, and that was waste. That was waste. So there I was for a long time being that way. And, um, I was having trouble with something. I think it was my knees or something. And I got in touch with this guy again and I said, Hey, can you help me? He's like, sure. So we get on the phone, we get on the zoom again and he's doing his thing and I can walk better. I mean, it's like, it's like, Hey, presto fricking magic. And, uh, and I go, you know, it sure, sure would be great if you could help me get off these freaking antidepressants. And he went, well, let me see what's going on. And he looked inside, he did his thing and he's like, yeah, he goes, you're, you know, it's, it's wrapped itself around your brainstem and it's, it's not good. He said, it's just not good. Uh, do you realize, he said, that this drug is created to make sure you don't get happier than a certain level. And I went, yes, I am. Now, really, Lori? Like I didn't do any research. I didn't do anything. But it see what he was saying made such perfect sense to me, complete perfect sense to me. Because here's the here's the catch twenty two of it. I would be on the drugs, in order not to be suicidal, and then when I would try to come off the drugs, I would be suicidal. So I would have to come back onto the drugs, no matter what I did. I was never going to be happy. I was never going to be free. I was never going to feel able to be all that I know I'm here to be. Couldn't do it. So he said, sure, let me, let me do some things here. So he did whatever he does, his magic stuff. And, and then he went, okay, so, uh, you don't have to take your meds anymore. And I'm like, excuse me with my history. Or what are you telling? He's like, no, you, you don't have to anymore. And we talked about different sorts of things that can support you in the withdrawal process. But here's the amazing thing that happened. I thought to myself, this guy is possibly full of shit. <laughs> and I have got to prepare myself. I've got to protect myself. I've got to make sure that I'm okay. So I took Effexor or Venlafaxine at night and I said, all right. He and I worked together that one night and I will go through to the next night and not take it. And I'll see how I feel in the morning. And I will put the meds into my purse and take them with me, carry them with me so that if at any point I'm feeling really awful, I'll just go back on them. Guess what? It's over two weeks. I've not been back on them. And here's the part that is stunning to me. I have not for one instant been depressed. I've not for one instant been suicidal. Have I had some rough times? Yeah, I have. Like I got the shakes on and off for a while there, which, hey, any good addict I think is going to tell you you're going to get the shakes. Uh, the other thing that would happen is a sense of those brain zaps. They would be getting less and less, but they were still there. And also a sense of not quite knowing who I was 
in terms of this is very different. Like still every night I like reach for a drink to wash down my meds with and I don't have to. So it's just this sense of disconnect between who I have been for so long and who I am now. Really interesting. Here's the point of all of this. You have to do what gives you the greatest amount of fulfillment possible. You can't just go to somebody who says, I'm going to do this in an hour and you don't have to take your meds again. Have a nice day. Like you don't want that experience. Okay. You do want to be able to take care of yourself. Make sure you are using your sense of right and wrong. Your sense of empowerment that you are using the smell test for anything that you're told. And that with all of that caution, you're not holding yourself so far back that you never do anything. You have to determine when a, when a leap is worth taking and then you have to take it and you have to have the support of other people around you. And it's an amazing thing that you are doing when you do this. I can tell you, I feel aspects of me, that I haven't felt in decades. I see things in dreams I've never seen before. I feel a way a kind of a freedom in the way I speak, a kind of, a kind of let it be around things for, for me that in the past I would have been just twisting myself into a pretzel to try to be sure I wasn't offending anybody. I never want to offend people. It's not my, it's not my jam. It's not my intention, but I also don't want to hold me back. I don't want to offend me. I don't want to become that person who can't freaking speak up. My God, it's a fucking nightmare. It's a fucking epidemic. I don't want to be a part of it. So I've been dealing with some of the, what do you call it? Some of the hair that, uh, that, the hair of the dog that bit you. I'm working with a homie with a homeopath. I'm working with something called the healing codes, which is something that that I do for myself. I'm working with a lift practitioner. You probably don't know lift L I I F T, but I'm a practitioner of that as well. And yet I go have it done for me. And it turns out that this guy who had gotten me off of the meds in one hour was he's American, but he's a shaman. He became a shaman and he's just deepening and deepening and deepening his practice. So please understand again, I'm not suggesting you go out and find yourself a shaman. All right. I'm suggesting actually that you find something within you that says, here is what I want the most. If that thing that you want the most is more along the lines of living freely than it is along the line of living safely. You're going to be able to get outside of your own little four walled room and see what else is out in the world that can help you see different things in the world that help you adjust your mindset so that you start to be somebody who is growing psychically, emotionally, mentally, instead of somebody who is just entrenching yourself deeper and deeper and deeper 
into the into the so-called norms. Those norms that don't really work at all. Whatever you do, here are some things I'd like you to think about and understand. Antidepressants have their place, but if you are living on them for decades, they are stopping you from the full expression of you. And the answer is to start looking at, not at how do I get off of this? That's really not the first step. The first step is what do I want? What kind of life do I want? Do I want to feel fulfilled and alive? Do I want to be able to feel fulfilled and alive at the same time as I'm being practical and using my discernment and making sure I'm taking care of myself? Yes, please say yes. It's so easy to, at least it is for me, to think, oh, I'm just going to be sort of the spiritual superwoman and do some amazing shit and just not worry about the results. That has gotten me into trouble in my life. Absolutely. I had to learn how to find the balance between the mystical and the practical, the spiritual and the practical. I had to learn. And learning is not an on-off switch, you guys. It's not. Learning. It's not a masculine process. The masculine process is I'm going to go from point A to point D as fast as possible with absolute commitment to the goal. I'm not deviating left, right, up, down, sideways, nothing. I'm going straight for that, and then I'm going to get fucking done, and I'm going to get on one of those stupid things on YouTube or Facebook that goes, would you like to know how to make a million dollars by the time you're 34? Yeah, that's not me, and that's not the balanced feminine. It's not. The balanced feminine is all about growing and unfolding and blossoming. It's about process, intuition, practicality, community, drawing on your community of friends and family who will help you. And yes, then there is that tipping point. There's that moment where you've walked and you've walked and you've walked. And you get to the place where you say, okay, I am now ready to tackle some aspect of this situation of mine that I no longer want to deal with long term. It can be a relationship. It can be drugs. It can be prescription drugs. It can be anything that is holding you up. And you can go to that and you can say, I've explored this. I'm looking at this. I've talked to people about this. I've explored my own internal reasons for wanting to do this. I'm checking to make sure that any kind of superwoman tendencies have taken, if not a a seat in like a whole other state that at least they're in the backseat of the car. And then I'm going to take that risk. And then I'm going to manage the results. How do you manage the results? It's the same as if you jumped out of an airplane with or without a parachute. If you don't want to handle shit, jump out of a fucking plane. You already know the outcome of that. It's not going to be good. If, on the other hand, you jump out of an airplane with a parachute on your back and it works and you've been taught how to deal with it and you're still screaming all the way down because you're like, what was I thinking jumping out of a damn airplane? 
then your only job, instead of worrying about whether you're going to die in this moment or the next one, is how do I deal with this emotion that's just tripping me up? Much better thing to deal with. What do you want in your life? What rules do you need to break? How can you break them as a very discerning adult woman would do so? Not as a 16-year-old rebellious young woman would do. That's what I think you should be striving for. If you would like to get to a place in your life where you feel you are living for you and you are living large instead of waiting for some kind of invisible grace or for just blind luck to get you to a place where you feel like, okay, now I'm living my life as me in the way I wanted to live my life. Give yourself a break, but also hold your feet to the fire of what do I truly, truly want? And if you don't know, even that's beautiful. Because then you get to start investigating, wow, I don't even know? That means the world's my freaking oyster. I can go and look and see what else is going on here. I can make a decision out of so many things that I, oh my God, this is so exciting. It's like going back to being 16 or 17 years old, but without whatever was going on when you were 16 or 17. Don't be afraid to try and fail. Only be afraid of the unexplored option. The one that you do just because you want to rebel. The one that you do just because you want to say, so there. That's the only thing to be afraid of. Because it's out of balance. And it really takes so little to be in balance. Use your feminine. Use your intuition. Use your compassion. Use your connection to, com to community. And balance it with the masculine that's been overbalanced for too long. And create an incredible experience of being you. And if getting off of these crazy-ass meds is the thing that you want to do, there are ways to do anything. I know and practice two different techniques. I know other people who practice different techniques. And I'll be glad to share that with anyone who has decided... I think I'm ready to start this journey because please, it's not an on-off switch. Anytime you're healing, it's supposed to be a journey. Love and moxie to you. You are all that and a bag of chips. See you next time.